Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello, and welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. Lauren, how was your weekend? It was lovely. Uh, We uh, headed to a wedding, so it was so nice. Weddings are like my favorite thing. Was it? Did you find, because I'm so curious, because I actually went to a wedding on Thursday too. Yeah. You like, did it feel like COVID was there or were you kind of, no? No. Not really at all. Yeah. I feel I'm curious how other people are experiencing it, but I very much felt like COVID was there. So I kind of just watched everything from the sidelines. Really? Yeah. It's just, we're in this like weird limbo. I I mean, we're talking right now it's August 9th and yeah. I think things change like every single week. So it's just interesting to see what is going to happen. I mean, when we came back, we went to Trader Joe's and like the amount of people that were wearing masks was very much increased. Yes. Yes. What it has been. And And you're in Philly. Yeah. I I feel like in New York, most people like didn't necessarily stop wearing masks, but I noticed that more places are mandating that we wear masks inside. So it's, it's interesting. I started wearing mine again in my building. So we'll see. But I'm really excited about today's topic. We are talking all about mindful movement. And what we want to talk today about is, you know, why do people get turned off by exercise after years of chronic dieting? What are some of the benefits of movement, both from a physical and also a mental health standpoint? What are some tips we can kind of focus on to help us begin to incorporate movement if it's something that you've been turned off by for the past, you know, few weeks, few months, even few years? years. And then lastly, you know, what is compulsive exercise? So it's almost like two opposite ends of the spectrum. You have people who don't want to exercise at all. And then we have this idea of compulsive exercise where we'll get into it, but it's essentially the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, exactly. So what's your relationship with exercise looked like in the past? How has it evolved? That's a great question. I would say I was not a kid who loved exercise. Again, I think that's because it was often coupled with having to lose weight and Mm -hmm. having to diet and restrict. So when I was younger and like thinking back, there is so much privilege in saying this, but I was able to have a trainer, like a personal trainer when I was in middle school and high school, I hated it. Like I did not enjoy it. I thought I was being like punished for something. And I did find like some type of movement when I was younger. I really liked to play tennis. I liked kickboxing a lot and not much has changed since then. I I still like those activities, but I think what happened over time, I started to find movement 
movement that I really liked. And I will say I did get into more of like the compulsive exercise in college and even after college. But where I am now is really tuning into my body, figuring out like what feels good, what sounds good, what does my body need? So sometimes that means just to walk around Madison Square Park, listening to a podcast. Other days that means kickboxing or, you know, other days, even some light stretching. So I think I listen to my body a lot more now and I'm finding that I'm actually craving movement. Yeah. So I posted this yesterday on Instagram. I'm like, it's crazy when you actually want to work out. Like I, yesterday I'm like, I'm in the mood to do a Peloton class. Like I want to yes. move my body. I want to listen to fun music. And I did a 90 minute or no, a 20 minute nineties <laughs> class. It was exactly what I needed. I felt so yeah. great. My mood was improved. I felt energized. And so I would say like, I, I really see the benefits of movement and focusing on that versus, you know, the physical appearance part of it has been a huge game changer for me. So what's your relationship been like? Yeah. So it's interesting that you say, you know, you crave exercise. Cause I think it's similar to when you start to give up food rules and you eventually crave like a salad. It is the best feeling like to want to work out is the best feeling. And I think an interesting topic for us to touch on too, is like, what's the difference between, you know, you're not motivated and like, you know, and actually needing rest because that happens to me a lot where I'm like, okay, am I just, do I actually need rest or do I actually need a workout to help me feel better for the rest of my day, right? So finding that balance, we can definitely touch upon. But my relationship with exercise, you mentioned the word punishment. And I think I never really had it in the sense of like, I need to exercise for weight loss until later. I definitely did have that in high school. But at first, I think the punishment part, I was just associating exercise with punishment because in lacrosse and in sports, it was it was punishment, right? So you guys played terrible yesterday. You're running hills all day today you know, the culture of punishment with physical activity, I think was really ingrained into my head, which isn't right. I mean, even as far as like sports go, it shouldn't be, oh, you guys didn't play well. So you have to run all day. It should be, let's look at what we did wrong and improve on that. Right. Like, I mean, the whole concept of it doesn't make sense to me unless it's like your actual endurance that you need to be working on. But anyway, I went to college and I a big part of my orthorexia was compulsively exercising. And it wasn't even necessarily that it was too much, quote unquote, exercise. It was more the obsession of making sure that I did the quote unquote right exercise mm-hmm. all of the time. And I was following a program at the time that had like specific days and my type of A brain did not like to miss the Monday workout and do the Monday workout on Tuesday. She wanted to do the Monday workout on Monday. So I had a really hard time skipping workouts. If I wasn't, you know, feeling great, if I knew that today was like a day probably should take off, I would push through it. And I think that's a big component of it too, that I learned from sports is like, push through it. You have to be tough for this. You, you know, like there's no giving up, like don't be a sissy. Right. So I think a lot of that mindset came from sports as well, which like has helped me in other areas of my life. But at the same time, you know, with exercise and struggling with an eating disorder, it's not super helpful. So it's really hard when it comes to sports. And I think that could be a conversation in itself with, especially with aesthetic sports and whatnot. But, and then I got to this place where 
after I was recovered and everything, I really just, I had to not take off from exercise, but I, I basically just said, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to see, let's see what it feels like to do whatever I want. Right. And sometimes you don't know what that is right away. And for me, it was experimenting. I tried sculpt out. I tried more yoga. I tried to walk and I ended up figuring out what I actually enjoyed. And a lot of that was sculpt at first and walking. And I did SLT for a little bit, which is definitely on the more intense side, (laughs) but it's still like, it was really intense, but I really enjoyed it. Whereas like HIIT exercise, high intensity interval training is really intense, but I don't enjoy it. Right. So there's a spectrum there too. And like, there's a difference between challenging yourself Mm -hmm. actually enjoying it versus challenging yourself and hating it. Totally. And that's where I'm at now where with sculpt, it was kind of like, all right, let me just like feel how this feels. And like, I'll stop if it's too hard. And now I'm at this point where I'm ready to, well, I've been working on it, work on strength and push myself a little bit harder to show myself that I can get there. And it just feels good to push myself. Whereas before I honestly wasn't super comfortable pushing myself because I was nervous of pushing myself back into the old habits and the old behaviors. So now I'm at a place where I can work on strength and, you know, increase my rep or decrease my reps and increase my weight. And that feels really good to me. So it's been a journey. Like these things don't happen overnight. And a lot of times I think people, you know, they get into food freedom or intuitive eating and they're like, okay, I have to fix my relationship with exercise. Let me switch to strength. And it's like, you might just need to take off some time. You might just need to figure out what works for your body and what you enjoy. hundred percent. And we're definitely going to get to that and what that looks like and what incorporating, you know, mindful movement back in looks like. Yeah. I want to start off with, you know, why is it when people are dieting for a really long time, or maybe they have this really negative association or almost turned off by exercise. You know, for me, I know I was working out a lot when I was highly restrictive. And when I did get into intuitive movement, I wanted to take a break from that type of exercise. It seemed really rigid to me and like there was no flexibility with it. And now I'm at a point where I've made peace with food. I've healed my relationship and I'm able to get back into a place similar to what you're saying, where you can challenge yourself in a way that feels really good for your body. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is, you know, when someone has been chronically dieting, they often do it at the same time as starting some type of exercise routine. And when the diet stops, the exercise usually stops as well. And so oftentimes people will express shame around this. You know, I I'm lazy. I, you know, I don't care about myself and really it might just need your body needs some rest. Your body needs to get re-nourished again. And, you know, your body needs to be able to trust you again to really reincorporate that movement. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think too, with the diet and exercise correlation, I think it comes back to what we believe health is. Yes. So we have this two-sided pie of health that it's diet and exercise. So when one goes, usually the other goes and vice versa. So I think a big thing that I always talk about is redefining what health is Yes. because on days that you don't feel like eating vegetables or you don't feel like getting your workout in, you don't want to have to feel that shame spiral. You want to be able to like, maybe rest is health for you today. 
Yes. Right. And shifting your mindset around what health really is, because the shame is really coming from should be exercising. I should be eating this way. Yeah. So how can you shift your mindset to like, actually, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the word should, but I should be resting today. Right. Or what would benefit to me today? I think rest would actually feel really yeah. good. And having more of like that self-care framework, right? It's like, what does my body truly need for mm-hmm. me today? Does that look like exercise or movement? Does it look like rest? Right. And something that I think is so interesting is how this idea of like diet culture in general has turned exercise into something to purely lose weight and change the way we look. Mm-hmm. And I think it was from the book, Train Happy. Have you ever read that? No. Amazing. We need to get her on here. But she said like, this is why so many of us associated with unpleasant notions, like discipline, restriction, Mm -hmm. punishment, and pain. It's simply because we focus so much on the appearance and the aesthetics. And the truth is if we, the research actually shows, like if we're focusing so much on the aesthetics, like we're less likely to stick with the routine. Yeah, exactly. That was something that was really challenging for me at first. I'm like, and a lot of my clients ask the question of what do I focus on? How am I supposed to push myself if I'm not pushing to a certain aesthetic goal? And, you know, there's tons of workout affirmations that can be really helpful for this. And also just understanding that aesthetics doesn't have to be the goal. What goals can you set for yourself that doesn't have to do with the way you look? Is it a mentality goal? Is it a strength goal? Is it a, you know, I really want to have a good day goal for me. Most of the time now my motivation, I'm like, all right, I have 10 calls today. I need to start with a workout because I am not going to get through the day with energy if I don't, or if I have a super, you know, high frequency day, meaning, you know, I have a lot of calls that I need to be on for. I have to start my day with a workout because I just see the effects of it. And that's really how I, I mean, I don't measure my progress per se, but that's how I push myself because I know what I need now. I know what I, rather than thinking, I know what I need or what I should do. No. And I think that's so, that's so right. And even just shifting how we view exercise movement could be looking at the benefits of movement. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there is an immense amount of research that shows benefits when it comes to cognition Mm -hmm. and, you know, reducing the amount of stress in our body and helping us improve our mood and brain health and all those things also sleep. And then from a physical standpoint, actually increases heart and lung strength. It increases bone strength. It decreases blood pressure. It increases HGL, which is our good cholesterol. So I feel like if we can kind of shift the focus to some of these other benefits that are either like physical benefits or mental health benefits, it also is so much more of a better motivator for us too. So like what you were saying, like, you know, you're more energized during the day, you move your body first thing in the morning. Yeah. And I honestly feel the same. And if I feel like I'm like having brain fog or I can't really focus, I feel antsy. I know maybe a walk would probably benefit me. And even like recognizing how much better my sleep is when I exercise. So true. So kind of in relation to food, I have a lot of my clients, you know, gain awareness around like how this food's feeling, their hunger, blah, blah, blah. But maybe it's an exercise, not necessarily a journal in the sense of like you're tracking what you're doing, but more so in the sense of like, how did you feel before the workout? How did you feel after? And then maybe the next day, 
How did you sleep? Like on the days that you exercise, what's changing for you? And maybe it's even noting like, oh, wow, my appetite really increased today. And that's okay. It's gaining that awareness rather than the judgment around it. Yes. I actually have clients do that when they're still struggling with their relationship with movement. And we want to start to shift the focus away from physical appearance and more to that like inner work and how we're feeling. Mm -hmm. And so really recognizing like, how am I feeling beforehand versus how am I feeling after? Like before I felt really tired. I felt like I had a lot of brain fog afterwards. I felt really energized and I felt really productive with my work. And so I find that it's so helpful to journal that out and to really see the difference in, you know, again, how exercise impacts you overall. Yeah. And to note, it can help you to feel more energized. It can improve your cognition. It can improve all these things. If you are leaving a workout, needing to go back to bed because you're so exhausted, chances are you might need to switch up what you're doing because you really should be left feeling better than before. And not to say that every workout's going to do that, but overall in general, I used to leave workouts being completely exhausted to the point where I like, I almost felt sick. Like I lost my appetite. Right. And which happens to me sometimes still, but those workouts were so intense that I like, I couldn't even do anything the rest of the day. It's also putting more stress on your body. So if we're really looking at like health and health is this, you know, aspect that we're really considering, we want to consider too, like how much stress you were adding onto your body when your body is depleted or exhausted or stressed to begin with is adding exercise going to, you know, promote that or kind of harm it. Yeah. And there's this really interesting, I don't actually know much of the science behind it, but I do know that, you know, high intensity interval training can increase your cortisol, which is your stress hormone which your stress hormone doesn't, it's not necessarily a bad thing, Mm -hmm. right? Like in the mornings you have a spike of cortisol and we need that to stop production of melatonin. And that's normal. Melatonin is what helps your circadian rhythm regulate when you go to sleep and when you wake up. But for some people that might be for me personally, that I've, I'm more susceptible to anxiety, a workout that is really high intensity. Sometimes I need it. And also it can depend on like your time of your cycle and all that kind of stuff. There's so many factors, but I was in California and I did a really intense workout and it completely triggered me. Mm. I mean, my hormones must've been like, it was just a perfect storm. And I just had a straight up panic attack. And after the workout, I did not feel good. And I do believe, again, I need to look up the science behind this, but there are certain people that do better with, you know, more low intensity workouts over, it's called LIS, low intensity, I forget what it stands for, but basically over a longer period of time. So I would rather walk for a longer period of time than do those like quick hit sprints, right? right? Because that feels better for me. And for some people, that's just what feels better. And other people like thrive on those high intensity workouts. Yeah. And it's so individualized. And that's, I think it's like the perfect kind of segue into this idea of mindful movement. Mm -hmm. And with mindful movement, we really want to, you know, become more attuned to how our body is feeling and what we're experiencing. So for example, you know, if you know that that kind of high intensity workout is really stressful for you and could even, you know, promote or provoke a bit more anxiety or panic, not choosing not to do those. And, you know, what we want to do is really remove some of the rigidity that 
we have around exercise and create more flexibility with it. So for example, if you wake up and you had a terrible night's sleep the night before and mindful movement could even be like knowing your body needs a little bit more rest that morning, maybe taking off that day would probably, you know, most benefit you in that situation. Yeah. Or even if you're really sore, like your movement for that day could be stretching. It doesn't have to be this. Like, I think that's another association with working out. A lot of people that I work with, they, they don't think it's a good enough quote unquote workout if they're not dripping in sweat. Yes. And we need to change the narrative. And if you need to change exercise to the word movement and that's beneficial for you, you can do that. Right. Or maybe it's re again, how we said redefine health, redefine exercise for yourself. What did exercise used to be for you? Maybe it's that sweaty, intense workout, heart pumping, which does have its benefits. It's great to get your heart pumping, but it doesn't have to always be that way. And what is your new definition of exercise or movement? And maybe it's just, I need to just do what feels good for my body. And you get to a point, like Brittany was saying at the beginning, where you actually crave it and it feels really good because then you know that you're actually listening to your body because it's telling you, you need to work out or you need to move, not need to, but you want to. And that's just a really beautiful place to be. Absolutely. And kind of just going back to this idea of, you know, it's not a workout unless I'm sweating. I think Evelyn and Elise from the intuitive eating book, they call these like exercise traps. And so it's almost like this idea of like, well, it's not worth it. If I can only do this for 10 minutes, like it needs to be X amount of time, or if I'm not sweating, then like, I'm not getting a good enough workout. So it's, we want to move away from this all or nothing thinking. And again, increasing the type of flexibility you have around movement is really important. Sometimes taking care of yourself might mean going for a walk instead of a run or stretching instead of doing, you know, maybe a more intense Pilates type exercise. Totally. It's about really listening to your body. And, you know, again, going back to the mindful movement idea, the primary focus of mindful movement is really connecting to how your body feels during exercising and listening to some of your body signals. So this is something that we talk about about in like intuitive eating. It's Mm -hmm. how can I listen to my body? And, you know, am I feeling soreness? As you had mentioned, am I feeling pain? Am I feeling really tired? And not just listening to those signals, but actually responding to them. So if you find, wow, I feel really sore today, maybe not moving your body as much as you thought you were going to, right? So really responding to those signals that your body is trying to send. Yeah. And if rest is something that you struggle with, a good reinforcer is, you know, if you're sore or something, if say your goal is strength, like your body needs rest to actually build that muscle and beating it to the ground is not benefiting you whatsoever. And, you know, I've gotten on the Peloton before and I'm like, today is not the day. Yeah, I've gotten I felt off. like that today, honestly. Yeah. And I've been like, and maybe it's not like I get off, but maybe it's instead of doing a 30 minute ride, I'm like, you know what, let's do a 10 minute low impact or something right. like that. But listening to that is really important because it's just another component of building self-trust because that's what you're doing in intuitive eating too. You need yes. to build that self-trust and that self-awareness. It will help you in all other areas, not only in just exercise. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you are either, you know, working with an intuitive eating counselor or practicing on your own or, you know, a dietitian who also focuses on intuitive eating and you're thinking, okay, like this all sounds great, but like, where do I start? 
So the mm-hmm. first thing, and I think Laura and I both agreed on this is you don't have to do anything, right? So you don't have to start right away. If taking some time for yourself as you are healing with your relationship with food and body, that needs to be the priority. But once you do get to a place where you're ready to start moving your body, focus on what brings you joy. What do you enjoy doing? What do you like to do? You know, what makes you happy? Maybe that's listening to a podcast and going for a walk. Like that's truly one of my favorite ways of moving. Maybe it's doing a spin class or, you know, a yoga class, but finding ways of movement that you enjoy, just starting to add movement in your day. So even if you currently are sedentary at your desk, most days, can you go for a five minute walk, a 10 minute walk, getting some fresh air, seeing how that feels on your body. And the other important thing I will say is if you are starting to exercise after not exercising for a while, maybe investing in some comfortable workout clothes, Mm -hmm. you know, no one wants to work out in a bra that is like squeezing you in and feel so tight and uncomfortable. I don't think there's anything worse. So investing in a sports bra that feels really comfortable and fits you well, and, you know, investing in, you know, other types of clothing, whether that means it's bigger clothing, meaning it's loose on your body, or if you rather wear tight fitting clothing, whatever that feels good for you, but wearing clothes that you feel good in, and that makes you feel comfortable is important. Yes, definitely important. And can be really motivating when you get new workout clothes. I'm always like so excited. It's fine. Yeah. It's It's like when you get like a new wardrobe, like all you want to do is make plans. So people, exactly. Exactly. And I think don't underestimate the, you know, sports like there is, well, my friend group and I, we attempted, well, we did, we joined a soccer league and it definitely ended up being much less enjoyable than we thought because we joined like a very advanced soccer league and we thought it was like like, very seriously. We thought it was like a, (laughs) what do you call it? Like, like a beer league, like, oh, go get a beer after or something. Right. right? And it was like, these people had like all played in college. We looked ridiculous. We still had fun with it, but it was just so nice. Like knowing that I had some form of movement, like baked into my day that I was going to enjoy. I didn't have to think about it and it's fun. It doesn't feel like exercise, but you're moving your body and it feels really good. And actually that reminds me, I think finding move or like pairing movement with hanging out with a friend or with your partner is the best. So I know during the pandemic, I would do classes side by side via zoom with friends and it was just so fun. It made me excited to work out. I was able to like talk to them and laugh. And so that could also be such a great way to kind of get into this routine is to pair it with a friend or a partner or a family member. 100%. Yeah. That's always been something that's helpful for me. And also, you know, taking away the comparison too. in that instance, like if you don't feel like you want to work out that day and your exercise partner is like not judging yourself for that, I think that can get a little bit, you know, yes it can get dicey if you're comparing yourself or if one person's like they're going for a workout and you're like, I really can't today, but I should go with her, you know, him, her, whatever. But yeah, keeping that in mind, but it can be so helpful to to have someone to do yeah. it with too. That's that's actually a really great point. And the truth is, similar to food, every single person's different. So maybe your friend got like nine amazing hours of sleep last yeah. night, felt like really energized and ready to go, and you had like poor quality sleep, or right. maybe you know you were up late. Maybe there was no reason at all. Maybe you just right. don't feel like working out, and that's totally fine too. So thank you for making that point because I think it's it's a really good point. Yes. Yes. Cause that's definitely something I used to struggle with. 
Totally. So I want to go back. I know we're kind of flipping around here, but I want to go back to compulsive exercise. And I know this is something that we talked about, you know, earlier in the episode, but really something you want to consider is if you are someone who is dealing with some compulsive exercise, if it's starting to consume your life and interfere with your quality of life, it's something to really look into. So for example, you know, you feel like you have to work out even though you don't feel well or you're exhausted or you're tired. You feel guilty if you miss a single day. So to what you were saying, Lauren, like certain personalities, it's really hard when you do have perfectionist tendencies or type A tendencies and you want to do the exact workout when you say you're going to do, but that kind of goes against this idea of intuitive eating or intuitive movement because you're not really listening to your body and honoring that. Another piece would be inability to sleep at night could actually be a sign that you're overtraining. So Mm -hmm. exercise is great for sleep quality, but if you're overdoing it, that could actually impair your sleep. Of course, exercising to make up for what you ate last night. If you felt like you ate too much or ate something that you quote unquote shouldn't have eaten, that too could be something to consider as well. Yeah. I remember in college, I would like debate going out with my friends that night because I had to make sure that I exercised the next day or work out, or I had to quote unquote eat healthy the next day or whatever it was. And I would always bank on myself of like uh, constantly on this seesaw of like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And I just like, from that point, nothing is more worth it than like your own experiences and memories. A workout will never, or a quote unquote healthy day of eating will never be more worth it than creating memories because there's no benefit of me having a memory of, oh, I'm so happy I got that workout in that day. Whereas, oh my gosh, I'm so happy that was the most fun night out. I'm so happy I have that memory with my friends. I got to connect with people, whatever it is that's always going to take priority over something like, oh, I can't believe I'm, I got that workout. I'm so proud of myself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's such a good point. And that is like the perfect example of how compulsive exercise could get in the way of you living your life. And so if you're choosing to not see friends and socialize because you think it might hinder your, you know, your exercise performance the next day. And it's so interesting because then you look at like the Olympics and these people literally spend their lives training and devoting every single moment of time. But again, like that is definitely different because that's career. Right. I had such an interesting thought with the Olympics. It's so interesting to me that everybody in the Olympics is obviously in a smaller body. And I had the thought of like, is this because, you know, they're obviously very, very active or is it because people with bigger bodies are stigmatized against being, you know, athletes or they're not. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great point. And my, I mean, obviously I don't know this for sure. And I haven't looked in the research, but I would assume that people who are in larger bodies have been not necessarily even like turned away from sports, but maybe not necessarily encouraged to do certain sports. Yeah. And I do think also like there are certain sports that have weight limits. Uh Um, and that's like a whole other topic, which also creates a lot of disordered eating and eating disorders in the sports world. But, you know, that is a really interesting point how it's very much like one size for these like people who are in smaller bodies that are. Yeah. I just, I mean, totally off topic, but I just remember watching swimming and I was like, literally everybody is the same size. Right. So crazy. Right. 
Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll, we should look into that because yeah, that's actually, it's really interesting. I know. I wonder just like what the history of it all is. Yeah. So the other, the last thing that I wanted to mention before I kind of pass the mic to you, but I do think it's important to recognize like the amount we move from day to day will fluctuate and it's having the flexibility and being okay that some days you might be really active and then there might be days or weeks or months where you're really inactive and that's okay. And, you know, we see this with food too. Some days you're just going to feel really hungry and there's nothing wrong with that. And other days you might not have much of an appetite. So just being okay with the natural fluctuations that come with movement and your body's desire to move, I think is really important to kind of drive home. Yeah. Our bodies aren't calculators. They have varying amounts of food that they need or movement or nutrients or whatever it is and reminding yourself of that. And I think it's helpful. Maybe we can just end on a note of like some exercise affirmations. You know, I think one that has always really helped me is I am creating mental headspace for my body to feel good today. I'm creating a safe place for my soul. I am safe and healthy, whatever you want to call it. I have some more on my Instagram page that I can link to. Yes, I love that. So thanks, guys. Yeah. We hope this is helpful. And again, just like a take home, like one action item you can do today. If you're ready to start to incorporate movement is just figure out like, what are some ways I like to move and writing those down, creating some type of brain dump and really just thinking about what type of movement or exercise brings you joy and that you really find to be fun. Yes, exactly. And as always, our DMs are always open. If you want to share your exercises, maybe we'll do like a group exercise. That would be fun. And rate, review, subscribe, Pete. Thanks for your support. Thanks so much. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.